one of the brightest guests on the entire schedule that I've ever had. And this is episode 60-something that's on now. Um, it's Christina Mandlakiani. And Christina is coming to us today to share about something that's extremely close to my heart. And that is, it's so easy for us to see all of the things that everybody else expects from us. It's so easy for us to feel like it's such a heavy load to carry every day and to live in fear of letting other people down, live in fear of proving that we're not enough and forget that everybody is flawed and that everybody makes mistakes. But regardless of how we show up, we are worthy to start. Mm -hmm. So Christina is about to launch a book mm -hmm. and that book has the most awesome title and it's called Becoming Flawsome. And that means to me at face value, embracing our flaws, not hiding from them, not fooling anybody, embracing our flaws and letting ourselves be fully ourselves. And that's what's going to make us shine and be awesome. Mm -hmm. Christina, I want to introduce you before I ask you to tell us a little bit about the book and the message. Mm -hmm. But this is going to be a long introduction. So I'm going to shorten it up. So Christina. In that case, I'll say uh, thank you, Marsha, for the warm welcome. And yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Christina is, first of all, a very, very busy woman. And she has a lot in her sights. She's a speaker, she's a trainer, she's an entrepreneur. She has actually been the co-founder of Mind Valley, which is an organization that I have leaned on in my very hardest 10 years of my life to help me to find my footing and find what really matters. She is a mother of two, and that in itself is a full-time job and a philanthropist and an artist. And lately, she's also an author. So to Christina, life is important and it needs to be enjoyed as much as possible in every role. And she reminds us that just because life is so important, that's why it's our duty to squeeze joy from every day and every role that we play. I love your message, Christina. And today I want to hear from you what you might have experienced to lead you to that message being the core of your book. Thank you, Marsha, once again. And yes, it's, uh, you know, when you ask a woman of 45 what led her to write her book, <laughs> the it's I'm very tempted to say all my life, you know, my life's journey has led me there. But uh, to give it a little bit more context, um, I believe that uh, probably your listeners uh, are also those good girls and good boys, the ambitious perfectionists, um, the people who who want to do the right thing. Because I believe that because actually uh, most uh, humans have it in their nature to want to do the right thing, to want to be liked. That's just how we are wired uh, by <laughs> by nature. 
So uh, I did I did what I was supposed to do. You know, when you're born, you're given that tutorial to success. <laughs> and I'm talking allegorically, of course, there is no tutorial, but we all know what it means to be successful. So we uh, go that path. That path seems to be so tangible, so understandable. And yes, it requires hard work, but we get the hard work. You just busy yourself and you keep doing. So I was about 40 years old when I realized that despite having built my perfect life, uh, I like to call it perfectly Instagrammable life. Um, I just didn't feel content as I thought I should be. So, you know, the fact that I wasn't content and fully uh, happy was half the problem. The real problem was that I didn't feel, I, I felt that I didn't have the right to be unhappy. I felt guilty and ashamed for not being perfectly happy in my perfectly Instagrammable life. And that's what started started me on the path of self-discovery. Uh, of course, well, it's uh, it, it's not really, strictly speaking, true. Uh, I think we self-discover ourselves as soon as we start getting the sense of what it means to be me. But that uh, started me on the path of becoming an author because I've been in personal growth and transformation for 20 years, but most of that time I was on the other side of, uh, of the... Uh, a curtain where I was helping people to publish their message. Um, I was uh, producing authors and marketing authors, uh, but uh, it was when I hit my own dead end, that's when I felt that, okay, now I have something to share with the world. <laughs> Ironically, <That's> isn't it? <laughs> no, um, I think we have to hit that rock bottom to really rip some things apart and see the soft bits and but, but you know what's ironical it wasn't a rock bottom right it was uh, I, I had a perfect life but it was the dead end in my case oh. so it was hard it was hard as rock but uh, I had nothing to complain about okay so what do you think what did you see when you hit that dead end that you speak about that made you find the direction that you were going in next I think I think uh, that was the moment when I realized that I uh, had gotten lost uh, you know like uh, when you have a movie but you're missing the main character uh, so I kind of was doing the motions of my life but I, I felt that I wasn't um, I wasn't completely and fully myself I was mostly myself but mm -hmm. there was a little bit of com compromising, a little bit of uh, putting up the good face and faking it and, and maybe pleasing someone. And that little bit, maybe it was only a few percent, but that little bit was kind of poisoning the rest of it. And I was just tired of doing this. I just craved to stop trying so hard to be something which I wasn't. And I think I was craving to just let myself be myself and see what, what is possible if I stop trying so hard to be that perfect thing after you described it it sounded to me like you're living life in full color but the color is being sucked out of the picture a little bit <laughs> well yeah or maybe it was a little bit overexposed you know when we uh, uh, when we focus so much on all the light and good and and positive that we forget that shadow is what gives depth to the picture oh okay cool so you speak about hacking happiness. <laughs> such an important concept to you that it found its way into three courses that you developed. Two that are already available on Mind Valley. Uh, I think it's seven days to happiness and live by your own rules. And you have one coming up, I think, in January. 
And that one is related to the Becoming Flossom book. It's called The Art of Being Flossom. Yeah. Well, uh, I think happiness is seeping into everything that I teach. It was the beginning of me uh, becoming an author. Uh, but uh, I also think that the path back to you has a lot to do with happiness. There's a huge correlation and connection. You cannot truly learn to be happy unless you're at peace with yourself. So it is a piece of the bigger puzzle. I don't um, go very deep into happiness in, in my book, for example, or in other courses. I do mention it because it is such an important thing that... <clears throat> So many of us want, uh, but um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, but uh, I do focus mostly on uh, on helping the reader, or in the case of the program, the the student, uh, to find their way back to themselves, uh, to find peace with uh, the true and real self, uh, and that I think is a very crucial ingredient of learning to be happy. So. What do you think has brought happiness to you as you <laughs> embrace this flawsome you? Well, uh, being flawsome is not a guarantee of <laughs> happiness, <laughs> but without it, you can't be happiness. So causality go only, goes only one way. Uh, you, have to be, you have to be authentic. You have to be true to yourself. You have to be flawsome if you want to be happy. But, uh, but happiness requires a little, I have lost you. Is everything okay? I don't know what went on. Are we back? It's okay. It's fine. We're back. So, but happiness does require does require a little wider approach. So in my case, uh, I think what made it a huge difference was uh, finding out that happiness is not really an emotion. Uh, we can't uh, we can't deem something so important as happiness and emotion because emotion by nature is a volatile thing. As you feel it, as you express it, as you process it, it changes. Uh, yeah. So if you equate happiness to emotion, uh, it is going to be elusive. And that was one of the uh, pr probably one of the starting points for me uh, in researching happiness. I refuse to talk about it unless we talk about a certain state because state is a much more stable condition. So it's really interesting, you know, in psychology, there is, uh, uh, there is um, a recognition that depression, for example, is a state, it's a stable thing, and it's a stable condition to which you come back. But yet, when it comes to the opposite of that, we don't have, we, we kind of write everything off as just an emotion, which is transient and passing. Uh, so that that made a huge difference to me that allowed me to start working with the idea of happiness. Uh, another uh, important component of happiness is definitely that it is not perfection. You're not happy because everything is perfect. Things become perfect because you are happy. And that actually ties back to the idea of awesome. You know, uh, yeah. the well, even even in your relationship with yourself, Love is not about being perfect. Yeah. When, when we think about women and the pressures that they feel or that they place on themselves or that they perceive others are placing on them, those pressures come from so many places. You can be a special needs parent. You can be a working woman. You can be running a business or starting a business. You can be caring for your children. Uh, a million other things, dealing with relationships or loss of relationships or the evolution of relationships. And all of those can bring pressures and anxiety. A lot of the time, our negative emotions 
the thing that lies beneath those emotions might very often be fear. Would you say that you found that fear permeates a lot of the negative emotions? And how does that fit into your own navigation of the challenges that, that you as a woman face? So uh, what you described right now is life. And life is not just work. And life is not just family. And life has so many facets to it. And I think we um, it, it would do us a lot of service if we just... Um, took that um, what we deem as overwhelming as uh, as as natural you know that's that's what life is you are a complex being you read out my bio and I have so many different social roles that I play so everybody everybody's complex and so is your life it's full of different interesting facets it has you multifaceted inside it it has your social circles it has your family your friends your colleagues your partners it has your uh, you know your your passion in life your career your work whatever it it is just life. The fact that we consider it overwhelming is uh, very simply because we um, have not been taught how to deal with uh, with things which are uncomfortable. So uh, one thing that I um, have given up is judging uh, emotions and judging, uh, well, judging myself for having those emotions uh, and demonizing things which are uncomfortable. And uh, that is uh, a bane of our industry, I believe. We are sometimes, rather than dealing with natural part of life, we uh, call it bad, or I'm sorry for... Uh, <laughs> if, if, if it, uh, if it uh, maybe hurts someone, but we call it negative. Um, but do you remember we just talked about a picture which is overexposed and has no depth in it? You know, it's like the line on the EG machine, completely flat, and flat is dead. So mm -hmm. uh, life consists of light and darkness, consists of hot and cold, of uh, pleasurable and painful. And uh, I think one thing that helped me um, on the path of to, to find happiness was to stop demonizing things which are uncomfortable and making friends with those things that are uncomfortable because uh, I will quote one wonderful teacher, uh, Susan David. Um, she says, um, pain or discomfort is the price of admission to meaningful life. If you have mm -hmm. anything meaningful in your life, then you will have pain because that's just how life works. Now, the question is, do you want to consider pain negative bad uh you know something to be got rid of or would you like to just admit the fact that it's going to happen and and ask yourself how do i deal with that the best way possible so uh with that uh, long uh, prequel i'm coming uh, to fear yeah i don't i don't have problems with fear I know, I know we don't like it because it's uncomfortable. And of course we feel fear differently, but a lot of us feel it as lack of breath or uh, you know, this uncomfortable feeling in the stomach. Uh, my digestive system completely doesn't handle fear. It like sends me off to the bathroom straight away. So it is not a comfortable emotion. Yet uh, evolution gave that emotion to us as a mechanism to save us from danger. And uh, you know, in psychology, there's an interesting concept. Uh, people think that stress is bad for you but 
it's not stress that it's ruining you. It's the stress about the stress, the secondary stress. So as I said, maybe you remember, I said, you know, the fact that I was not happy in my perfect life was only half the problem. The real problem was that I was feeling ashamed for what I felt. And that was what ruining me, not the discontent, not the being puzzled, not the being in the dead end, but the fact that I just couldn't accept that being part of my reality. And I was eating myself away for feeling what I felt. I was feeling shamed and guilty for not being perfectly happy. So the same with fear. It is there. It's always going to be there. And yes, there is fear, which is not productive, and I would try to avoid it. So for that reason, I would probably not engage in extreme sports. And I prefer not to do things which are uh, at least like physically dangerous and, uh, and maybe not enjoyable to me. Although I have jumped out of the plane with a parachute. But there is fear, which is productive. You know that uh, when we feel stress, in the old, uh, in the ancient days, when uh, when our life depended on uh, on our physical abilities, uh, mm -hmm. that stress quickened your heart rate and quickened your breath and uh, tensed your muscles so that you could run faster. Yes. So when you go on stage, for example, you uh, a lot of people feel stress and fear. So when I don't feel fear when I go on stage, I am concerned because I know that my feeling of fear actually makes me focused and more sharp and more in the condition to perform well. And the few times that I've gone on stage too relaxed, I didn't perform as well as I wanted. So the question is not whether you feel fear or not. The question is, uh, is that a welcome kind of fear? Is that an unproductive fear? What can you do with that? Can you act despite the fear or with the fear? That's, these are much more important questions than the question of, of uh, having something so natural as fear being present in your life. Can it become more comfortable to live with fear? Are there exercises we can do or are there ways to train ourselves to say, I'm not resentful, I'm not afraid of the next time. I don't live in fear of this bad thing coming. Does it become easier? It's, um, yeah, you know, it's... Um... Yes, of course. Courage. Courage is the good remedy for fear, <laughs> naturally. And courage is like a muscle. It's trainable. You do things that you are not comfortable with and you start and then you become comfortable with those things and you do bigger things, which are like a very simple example would be you're afraid to speak up and then you speak up to your uh, family member and then you speak up at, and the, at the meeting in the office and then you find courage to speak in front of people on stage and then that stage gets bigger and bigger. So so it's the same with fear. It's trainable and you become more comfortable. But I have felt, I mean, I've spoken in front of a thousand people and I've felt fear in front of five people because these people were very important. So it's a, it's a trainable skill for sure. But what is important to know, and it's not just about fear, you can find comfort in discomfort. You just okay. have to start practicing it. So Christina, you're... Becoming Floor, some book launches in June. Yes. And it's all about how do we embrace our flaws when everybody expects so much and when we have our own hopes and dreams as well, but we know ourselves most authentically. We know our weaknesses as well as our strengths. So how do we lean into being flawsome? Yeah, you just opened up a very long discussion. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe can you tell me one nugget, one little exercise that can help somebody? Just it doesn't yeah. work like this. <laughs> you need you need uh, you need at least three qualities uh, for uh, for that. Uh, one of them is honesty, uh, because uh, to accept yourself you first know, need to know what you are and you uh, you said we know ourselves yes we do but we don't always want to acknowledge that we very often prefer uh, stories rather than the truth uh, so honesty is uh, one quality and I talk about self-honesty uh, then it's kindness because uh, without kindness we tend to be judgmental and that's one of the reasons which is why it's so scary to be honest with yourself because what if what I discover will make me feel that I cannot love myself because since childhood we are trained to earn love with being good with being perfect with being comfortable and uh, we we carry that uh, paradigm through life so that's one of the reasons why it's so scary to face your flaws because you think that when you look that dragon in the eyes you won't be able to love yourself which is why courage uh, sorry kindness is uh, the another quality that you absolutely need and of course I've already mentioned courage and we talked about that of course that that whole journey requires courage obviously and so courage is your number three well, it is. Uh, these numbers are not in uh, the order of priority. These numbers are in order of me talking about those things. You need courage from step one, but I believe that it's better to start with honesty. Okay, yeah. See yourself as you are, accept it, be willing to show it to others, not just hide it and know it to yourself. True. That, that's a journey of a lifetime, I think, discovering. <laughs> Those continues, you continue to peel that onion layer back and see more, right? Um, I can't wait to read your book. Thank you. It, it promises to help us to dig deep because one of the things is you are telling us your story and your experiences, which makes it relatable. Uh, it's not some theoretical book. It's here are the real examples of what happened and how I got through them. But more than that, you said to me that you also have a chock full of exercises that we can do. And that means that we pick it up, we relate to it through your examples, and then we take those exercises and we do our self-work. Mm. And we learn how to be honest about who we are, about what we feel, and about where we want to go next. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I hope that my book is a companion. And yes, I do have exercises. And uh, uh, sometimes it's just reflection points and moments of introspection, because I think that uh, the most, uh, the most potent fuel for transformation is courage. Uh, oh, sorry, I think I'm getting my words confused. <laughs> I mean, curiosity, uh, curiosity, which is why I, um, I love asking questions. And I encourage uh, my reader to ask um, themselves the questions. But I believe it is a companion more than anything else because your transformation is your own journey and nobody can experience the transformation for you. So uh, it is uh, up to each reader to, to commit to that path and to, to keep going on it. I, I will be there holding your hand. <laughs> well, not literally, <laughs> but, but holding your hand. And, uh, and yes, I hope, uh, I hope uh, it is going to help a lot of people to find peace with what they are. I believe it will be something that changes many people's lives and makes it a lot less scary, a lot less lonely. 
for others while they do the work that's so important to getting back to the heart of who we are and living our very best, most joyful lives. Yeah. Thank you. It was such a pleasure to speak to you. I want to um, let readers know that in the show notes, we'll be sharing various links so that you can follow Christina and you can connect with her and also check out where you can get your own copy of her book. Thank you so much for, for your encouragement and for, for a call to action, you know, to buy my book. Thank you for that. <laughs> oh, we appreciate you and I wish you all the best. Thank you. You too. Bye, Christina. Bye.